Akane Tendo Pigtailed Girl. Akane Tendo Pigtailed Girl. Akane Tendo Pig. folks and welcome back to big in japan uh, the fan spin spinoff show that deals in uh stuff that's big in japan sometimes currently which this kind of is and it's kind of big over here too like shockingly enough well maybe not shockingly but like it is uh tonight we'll be talking uh the latest dragon ball super movie dragon ball super superhero and uh who's with me tonight hey what's up this is derek derek wc Hey, this is Justin, and um, if I need a cool name, we'll call it Orange Justin. I have to call it something. I guess I'd go with Orange Pickle. Oh, okay. So yeah, like Dragon Ball Super Superhero is uh, the latest uh, installment in, uh, you know, the Dragon Ball animated series, at least. It's, I mean, it's basically the the sequel to Super Broly, uh, and, uh, you know, it, it it's currently like sort of the the farthest point on the timeline like in terms of dragon ball for the most part like it takes place uh i think it's like two years after super broly and one year before like the sort of flash forward finale of like dragon ball z and you know like i guess like you could say it takes place before gt but like i guess gt has been rendered non-canon now so like, I think Akira Toriyama officially said it's like an alternate timeline or something or, a you know, multiverse thing. So, so yeah, but, but uh, yeah, I wrote up some notes and I, I stole like a little synopsis slash like some background information from tvtropes.com. So I'll just read that really quick. Dragon Ball Super Superhero is a 2022 anime film based off the Dragon Ball franchise. It is the second film in the Super series following after Broly, the 21st film overall, and the first to be completely computer generated instead of the traditional animated style. The film sees the remnants of the Red Ribbon Army still seeking revenge against Goku, having created their own androids to take on the man who single-handedly destroyed their organization. The androids are made in the form of superheroes who believe Goku to be the enemy, and it doesn't take long for a clash to be imminent, made even more likely when Pan, the daughter of Gohan and Videl, ends up kidnapped by them. Will our heroes be able to face these new foes, or, or will the Red Ribbon Army succeed in their machinations? Uh, this film was set to be released in Japan on April 22, 2022, but due to an unfortunate hacking and ransomware incident, the film was ultimately pushed back and released on June 11, 2022. An English dub of the movie was released on August 19, 2022. This is also the first Dragon Ball content released under the Crunchyroll banner since Funimation's merger with Crunchyroll. So yeah, that's like all the, you know, the essential facts you need to know, kinda. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I saw it in, you know, Japanese with subtitles and in English. 
And, uh, you know, just to get into some, you know, general, like, you know, experience of watching it and thoughts. I mean, like, I, I saw it in English, like, in a fairly, like, not crowded, but, like, you know, there were about 100 people in the theater. And, like, you know, it was very well received. Like, everyone had a fun time watching it. Like, I thought the English dub was really good. And just in general, I really, really like this movie. And I, I like the first time I watched it, I wasn't like, like, I don't know, like I wasn't super keen on it. But the more like I watched it again and then the more I thought about it, like I, I, I really like it. And it might like, you know, give it a little more time to read and it might be in my top five like Dragon Ball movies. But uh, like, Justin, what about you? Like, what 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 was your experience with this movie? Like initially? I really liked it, too. Um, this is the first one of these that I've actually got to see in the theater. You know, the the previous releases, they were all um, Fathom events. And as I've, like, told Derek many times, like, if I want to see one of those movies, I have to go up and over two different mountains, drive two hours one way. And that's sometimes not doable. But because this was a this was a much wider release, uh, I read this got like over three thousand screens, so it was like within you know twenty minutes driving for me. So that was a lot that was a lot better. So I I had a lot of fun seeing it in a theater on the big screen, and um, kind of like yours, I think there were all like a little over a hundred in my my audience, and it was well received there too. And what I thought was interesting, I was kind of like, you know, I got there fifteen minutes early because I'm I'm one of those people I. I like to get there early, get my ticket, go to the bathroom, get a good seat, whatever. So I was kind of paying attention to like people who were coming in, and it was like all different ages. There were like a lot of, you know, little kids running around. There were, you know, a lot of teenagers, and there were a lot of people like us, you know, people between 35 and 45. So I was like, oh, this is a nice mix. And then I looked up once before the movie started, and this huge like Hulk of a guy, like he was like a this huge lumberjack guy wearing like coveralls and he had like a big duck dynasty beard. And he had like the, you know, uh, a bottle of tobacco spit in his back pocket. And I was like, I would not have pegged this guy for like a dragon ball fan at all. Like he just didn't fit, you know, your, your typical image of one of those fans. And I was like, well, maybe he's here with somebody or maybe he brought his kids, but you no, know, he kind of like sit in the middle, like by himself and, I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. I, I don't know. I was just like kind of interested in all like the different, you know, generations of fans that were watching this. But uh, but yeah, I really liked it. Um, I I like all these recent movies since Battle of the Gods. Like I've I've liked each one of them. I don't know where this is going to rank for me. I think I'm going to have to watch it a few more times because I you know I really liked Resurrection F. I really liked Brilly, and I I really enjoyed this film. So I don't I think I think I would have a tough time ranking them because i really enjoy each one of them in, in different ways and not to i'm sure we'll go into this later but like i when i first you know heard about this and saw the trailer and heard it was going to be cg i was like oh oh no because i had like horrible flashbacks to like the recent cg berserk anime series and that awful cg fist of the blue sky those were so bad i was like oh no don't do don't do this to dragon ball like really had such great animation and you know really great uh animation styles for the characters and everything i was like that was so great like don't don't change it up dude just keep doing what you're doing but having them watch this on like a big screen like i i, I was really impressed with the animation in this i was like 
you know, whenever they had a flashback, like that was all like animation, which I thought was really neat. But like there were some really great sequences in this that I was like, oh, this is like I, I wasn't I was like, oh, this is still CG. I was like, oh, they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And there was a scene where like. Cellmax has his like giant energy ball and it's red and it's got like the black squiggly lines and they kind of like the camera kind of like zooms in on it and you're seeing all these little black squiggly lines outside the red energy like it looked like it looked really great like I was just really impressed with the CG animation in this because you know I think we're as anime fans animation fans we're kind of used to like crappy anime CG yeah, there was definitely like I think you know I, I was I had the same trepidations you did and like that's they it's like they kind of you know it's Dragon Ball so they must have said this can't look bad so it's like it seems like they poured a lot of money into the CG so yeah. I think like with a, very few exceptions I think it worked really well like maybe like again we'll probably go into it later like there are a couple things I was like oh that doesn't look too great but I thought it looked it was very like it, it exceeded my expectations but uh. But Derek, yeah, what what was your initial experience with this? Well, I I almost didn't see it. You you all know the story, but people that are listening don't know. I tried I tried three times to reserve tickets for this, and there was a problem all three fucking times. So I was like Thanos sitting there going, "All right, three times is enough. It must be trying to tell me something that that I shouldn't do it or I shouldn't go see it or whatever." And I just I just took it at its word. And was like, all right, I'm not going to force the issue or whatever, because it seemed like it was, I don't know, it was like a couple weeks before we had heard it was going to roll out, you know, in, in these 3000 theaters in the U.S. And I was just thinking to myself, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll try. I'll try to get some tickets. And I think the first time it's like so, something didn't go through right. And then and then I tried again the next morning and it still didn't go through right. And this was all on Fandango. And then and then I was like, oh, maybe maybe something's wrong with Fandango. So I actually went to like the I don't know, the Cinemark or whatever it was, like the direct website. I was like, maybe I'll try it there and then I'll I'll, you know, get rid of whatever's going wrong on Fandango. And it was almost like the same exact fucking thing happened. So I was just like, you know what? Forget this. Like, I'm, I'm just going to leave it alone. And then um, I think uh, it was like. The day before, like the Wednesday before, I was like, okay, well, let me see what's going on now. And it, it seemed like, you know, that, that it was going to be a, a, a decently packed house, but there were still plenty of seats, you know, near the aisles where I usually like to get a seat or whatever. So I was like, okay, let me try this again. And then it, it was, you know, like it normally is. It just went through right away that day. And so then after work, I went and saw it and I had a really good time watching it. I mean, I'm glad I saw it. And also, you know what was really fucking nice was like not only what Justin's saying, like seeing the breadth and and scope of all the different types of people that came together to see something that they you could tell they all enjoyed. Like, they're, they're, you know, they're, it's like I, I don't know what it is, but it's like it's it's fun that there's just like all kinds of different, you know, ages. There's all different creeds and backgrounds and whatever of people and and you know they're all walking up the aisle and like you kind of know like like they all kind of like this like you like this you know like so that was 
that in and of itself was unique and fun. Kind of what Justin was saying, just seeing all the different types of people that were coming to check it out. And you, you could tell they were all having a good time by the audience reaction. You know, the, 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 the moments that needed laughter got laughter. The moments that were kind of, you know, serious and, and, and epic fights and everything. You could tell people kind of, you know, nobody, nobody was, I don't know, making ridiculous noises, you know, or, or, checking their cell phone or doing farty noises during like the important fighting and you know, wh- whatever, right? Like it was, it was fine. And then the thing I loved the most was, and this is in direct relation to the previous, the last movie I saw in the theaters before this, when the, the, the credits rolled and then when they got to the post credit scene and everything else, people clapped, they were happy. Like you, not only were you happy that you went and saw it in the theater, but you felt this nice wave of euphoria that like everybody in the movie theater with you was also happy. They had spent the fucking time to go watch it and, and they were all happy too. So all in all, like it was, it was a nice theater going experience. And I think the movie was a lot of fun. And I, I guess I don't disagree with Justin. Like I don't, I don't follow this anymore as much as you guys, but I've made an effort to go watch the movies and everything. And in this case, I guess just speaking to what Justin is saying about the animation style, the CG style, like there was, you know, there was that, there was that maybe minute, that 60 seconds of like, oh yeah, this is going to be in CGI. And huh, it's really weird to see Toriyama character designs in three dimensions, you know, like they're not, some of them you're like, they're not really made to be in three dimensions, but I guess that's what they'd look like. And, and, and it, it just, you know, it was like, it was like this brief moment of adjusting to cubism or adjusting to beast war CGI or whatever you want to compare it to. But it was like the 60 seconds of like, you kind of tilted your head and then all of a sudden you kind of got into that V8 mode and you're just like off to the races. And then, it was almost like a non thing, you know? So, so again, if you are, if you have any trepidation, if you're, if you're worried about freaking, um, I don't know, cyborg zero zero nine CGI fucking flim flammery or, or fist of the blue sky nonsense. Like it, it, that's not what this is. Um, so, so rest assured, that's not what's going on here. And as far as like, just, you know, being entertained and everything, uh, with, with, uh, not even a group of your peers, but just a group of strangers like this was, you know, for me, this was a lot of fun. If I could make one improvement to the film, it would be like right before Cell Max is killed. Like he would scream like one of the goats in Thor. Like, I think that would make the movie a lot better. I hate you. I hate you so fucking much. Fuck. You know, like, no, that's, that's, since you brought it up, like, I'll just say, like, that's the, that's the exact difference is when, when that fucking shit movie ended, like, nobody cheered, nobody clapped. In fact, when the, the title credit said Thor will return, people actively were like who fucking gives a shit bro fuck this shit and everybody walked into the theater feeling fucking miserable whereas this like 
everybody when 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 they had the little cameo thing and and Goku and Vegeta were still going at it and Vegeta's like I finally won bro like everybody was giggling and laughing and and like they were they were clapping and all kinds of shit and when you left everybody was like like it felt like oh this was this was good you know like and everybody was happy about it so that's why i mean for me like, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, the right timing, the right place, whatever. But it was it was so much more of a fulfilling experience than than I've had lately. So so that, you know, I'm I'm going to give, you know, 100 percent props for that. No, I, I mean, I joke. I, I can't argue with that, though. I, I I left the movie feeling the same way. Like I will differ on this, I know. But like I left the Batman and I really like that movie, but it's still. It's not like the most fun movie to walk away right, from. Right, 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 right. Oh, but like this was so much fun, and like everyone, everyone at the end was like, "Yeah, woo!" And I was like, "Man, this is a good time." Like I had a lot of fun yeah. watching this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's like it was refreshing not to ha- to have a movie where you didn't have to like chew things over in your head like after you watched it basically it was like you know you just came out and i was like wow like that was really enjoyable but yeah i mean like you know everyone loves the you know the the cell animation in broly was like fantastic and so that that was part of you know people's like trepidation over it but like i mean this like i said it exceeded my expectations and like I mean, the movie leads off with that cool like couple minute long sequence of like you know explaining all the backstory and anything like shit that needs to be caught up on, and that was all like you know cell animated, and that looked really I, nice. Yeah, I felt like that was such a direct, like you, you know how you guys are like, oh dude, Derek's old, he's an old geezer or whatever, and it's like I love that that moment in the flashback to the the, the giving like whoever the the noob audience is, the knowledge about the Red Ribbon Army. It's like, and some of you old farts may even remember the Red Ribbon (laughs) Army. And I was kind of like, that's me! I'm the (laughs) fucking old fart who remembers the fucking Red Ribbon Army. Yeah, like, the, the, the English dub specifically says, like, some of you might be old enough to remember the Red Ribbon Army, yeah, so, like, the Japanese sub I watched, it said, it just said, like, like, dear viewers, do you remember the Red Ribbon Army? Like, right, you know, right, right. So, like, I, I mean, obviously in Japan, it's probably a lot more well-known, but, like, you know, in America, it's like, a lot of people haven't even watched Dragon Ball, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, Team Four Star always has that joke, like in Dragon Ball Abridged, they go back to where it's like, you know, whenever a character from Dragon Ball shows up, it's like, you know, someone like Vegeta's like, like, I never watched Dragon Ball. Who dis? Like, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah, like, I mean, and that that answers all the like and uh, like this is going to like I, it's a joke I always make. And like, it's probably a little sexist, but I'm like that that like opening answers all the girlfriend questions basically <laughs> like you know like like that's like what i call that it's like, oh look they they answered all the girlfriend questions like right up front like okay we can go right into this like and yes think, there are girl fans of dragon ball i know i'm just saying it's i i was gonna say like i feel sometimes like star trek movies needed that like um i know this robot guy but who's the thing with the thing on his head like what's he mr, mr. wolf i don't know i'm like um, this is a mistake. Some, some of you may be old enough to remember Mr. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this movie, I mean, if Broly was like a pull, like a nostalgia pull at like 
Bardock and Frieza and Broly and Fusion. I mean, this is a nostalgia pull at, yeah, Red Ribbon Army, Androids, like the Cell Saga, basically. And yeah. I mean, that's yeah. my favorite saga. And Piccolo's my favorite character. So I thought it was like great that he was basically the protagonist of this movie. I mean, he, he like Akira Toriyama has outright stated like Piccolo is his favorite character. And like he was the one who pushed for like a movie about Piccolo. And he had like they said he had to be convinced to let like Gohan be like the co-star of the movie because he mm. wanted it to be like all Piccolo. But they were like, no, 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 you got to have like some like Saiyan presence basically. So he was like, okay, well Gohan's the logical choice for that. So, yeah, yeah. but, but yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I thought Piccolo, like, I, I know you haven't watched super Derek, but I mean, like they can't like, and, and, and I mean, you don't even have to have watched super to like, know that like Piccolo has been like devalued, like since like, you oh, know, yeah. the cell yeah. saga, basically. I mean, if you're not a Saiyan, like you ain't nothing basically, but I think they do a good job of, you know, highlighting Piccolo's strengths, like why he's like, you know, what he has that like the Saiyans can't do. Like he, you know, he's smarter than them. I think he's more strategic. And I really like the fact that they like they really made an effort to use like Piccolo's like wide range of abilities in this movie. Like, you know, like I Justin, you remember in like the tournament of power when Piccolo got eliminated and it's just like he got eliminated by the stupidest little like Ant-Man shrinking guy or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you have stretchy arms. Like just jump, like go grab back onto the edge yeah. of the thing. And like, but no, he just falls off the edge and goes Bleh! like, one of my favorite okay. scenes in this is when they have to remind him, like, go into a giant. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. like he uses, you know, his stretchy arms. He, he grows into a giant. He does the the clothes beam, you know, he, yeah. he makes new clothes for Gohan. Like he he does all these like things that it was like, hey, remember, Piccolo can do all this shit. Like, you know, so like I I was happy about that. And uh, and I, man. Like, I, you know, I love Piccolo and Gohan's probably my second favorite character. But I mean, I, I want to get into this. Like, I think the MVP of this movie is friggin' Pan. Like, Pan <laughs> was great in this movie. Like, and I, I think, Derek, you might throw tomatoes at me because I, I think you've like expressed some kind of fondness for this in the past. But like, man, like I hate Pan and GT. Like, oh, she's like, okay. Okay. if. It, like if we always compare GT to like beast machines or whatever, and pans like night scream, like she's like friggin insufferable to me. Like I don't like her. Like I, I, she, yeah. But in this, like, I don't know. It's like a fix for her. Like she's, you know, she's completely adorable in the movie. She's super sharp. Like she never, like, even though she's friggin three years old, it's like, she's never like, she understands everything Piccolo tells her. She does what he, t like, she doesn't like, you know, he, whatever he tells her to do, she does. And she's like super effective and stuff. Like, and like, I think like, uh, I was going to say like my, my cold, bitter heart, like grew three sizes at the end when she showed Piccolo, mm -hmm. like she could fly now. Like, I thought that was like a lovely, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's a good arc, you know, like that's, that's something that was nice for her in the film where, you know, that, that, that's the whole deal, right? Like she's, she's training under, you know, uncle Piccolo or whatever. Right. But it, the idea is we're not going to go to, certain fighting skills until you can show me you can use your key to fly and then it, it becomes you know almost a life and death situation right and and she does it makes sense to me why that would be 
endearing to you. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I mean, I guess, I guess to me, it, it, it doesn't, th- that might not have the same impact on me that it does on you because I, you know, again, I'm not going to throw tomatoes, but I, I mean, I was already kind of, you know, it's like daddy's little girl thing. Like, I think I was already endeared to pan no matter how annoying you find her in GT. Like, I think I was already there um, emotionally, you know? So it's like seeing her in this, like, it, 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 I guess what I'm saying for me is I liked it, I enjoyed it, but you didn't have to hard sell me like maybe they would have had to hard sell you on the character, if that makes sense. I'm with you on the whole Piccolo thing, Mike. Like, when I first started watching Dragon Ball Z, like, I, I latched on to Piccolo because... In those early stages, like he was kind of the Magneto of the show. Like he's a former enemy, and he's training the main character's son. And I was like, "Oh, this guy's pretty cool." And he's like, you know, he's green. He's got all these crazy powers. After the end of the Cell Saga, he doesn't really have a whole lot to do. I mean, it was kind of neat to seeing him training Trunks and Goten, but he was kind of left out of the action, and that always made me sad because I was a really big fan of Piccolo. But seeing him in this movie, I mean, he's like, he's 90% the movie, mm-hmm. and he's come so far since those early episodes of Dragon Ball Z. Like, he's, like, Gohan drew so much out of him that now Piccolo is, like, babysitting Gohan's daughter. And he has, like, more personality. Like, he's not just this gruff guy who's kind of, like, talking tactics and, you know, all this stuff. Like, he's got a cell phone. Like, I, you know, like, 20 years ago, I couldn't imagine... Piccolo has a cell phone and he's got all these like stuffed animals and all this stuff. And he's, he, he wants to train Pan and he seems to genuinely enjoy his time with her. Whereas, you know, like he may, in those early episodes of Dragon Ball Z, like you can tell he's starting to care for him, but he still has that kind of rough exterior that he's trying to, you know, he's trying to fight those emotions. Like he's like, no, I need to concentrate on meditating and fighting. You know, I don't, I don't need all these feelings and stuff, but like he's, emotionally he's come so far and he can like kind of joke around and he's not so serious so i i like that and i like all the like you know <laughs> where he's like in disguise and they're like where are you number 93 where were you oh uh i had a stomach problem i'm sorry <laughs> uh, i don't know he's just, like, he's got they're so like many you're like, looking a little green yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and he's kind of like taking boma to task for like making all these like absurd like cosmetic wishes which i mean I mean, Bomac kind of has a point. It's like, okay, after after the failure of, you know, she had the Dragon Balls and Frieza got them and now Frieza's back. Like, okay, you, it makes sense that she would want to keep an eye on them and keep them, like, in use so that bad guys can't get them. But he's just, like, totally aghast. He's like, you did what with the Dragon Balls to your butt? What? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, like that, got a, that got a big laugh in my theater. Yeah, I don't know about yeah, you guys. Yeah. But, but, yeah, like, I was really happy to see, like, not only is Piccolo like 90% of this, like he he gets a power up and he goes giant. And I was like, whoa, whoa this is really cool. It's I, I love. Yeah, like all the little subtle like characterization moments with him. Like, I love how he holds the cell phone like he doesn't understand yeah. exactly how to like, you know, hold like the social norms basically he holds it like it's like a friggin like dirty diaper or something like and I also love it's in it. I think only the, it's in the English dub, but like it's such a funny little thing that they added that like adds so much to like Piccolo's character when they try to kidnap Pan and like, you know, like he runs up to like, you know, hey, it's all cool, Pan. Like 
And then Pan's teacher like asks him, "Oh, Mr. Piccolo," and he's like, "Hi, Janet." Like he knows like Pan's like yeah. teacher's name, like yeah. you know. So, like <laughs> I don't know. It's just like yeah, that I love that stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, and you know, now he has a power up, so he can like hang with the Saiyans again. So like that's always good. Like so, yeah. Like it's, uh, it's funny how you guys say that they remember, you know. Piccolo's power set and, and 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 who he is in this film. But the the other things too is they don't forget like like when when he does drive away with the red ribbon spaceship, he's like crashing into shit. And it's like it's a callback to the driver's license episode. Yeah. Like, hey, I never I I never learned how to do this quite properly, you know? And so it's like there there's also those great callbacks to those aspects. And even even the I mean, you know, I, I know you're saying he's uh he's he's lightening up in his old age, right? But there there is that there is the, the there's still that core to him where he is He's kind of like, dude, I didn't want that fucking stuffed animal the first time. And now I have like fucking 25 of them. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, it's just I don't know that that's that that's an insight too to where it's like he he doesn't want any of them, but he doesn't he doesn't refuse them. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, so he's still got this collection of shit, right? Like, so I don't know. It's just like that aspect of it, I think, is is fun because they didn't you know they, they they didn't forget him not only in the power set but just of of you know there's there's all these callbacks to things that if you're if you're a fan and you remember watching the show and and remember unique things idiosyncratic things that only apply to piccolo you know they 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 bring those into the piece right so like i mean that that to me i think is fun I just I, I I like seeing Piccolo like interact with Bulma because they don't really interact a whole lot like and like it, yeah. it's just that they have a funny dynamic now like you know I mean most of the time in Dragon Ball it seemed like Bulma maybe maybe was a little afraid of Piccolo because she first knew him as like you know King Piccolo like you know trying to destroy the world and stuff and now you mostly see the group like hanging together but sometimes you don't get a whole lot of interaction between them. So it's like funny to see like Piccolo like interact with Bulma and you know and like you said and, and then obviously like you know being a, a mentor to Pan it's like you know it, it's it's nostalgia pulling at your you know go, Piccolo training little Gohan too like you know all that stuff is awesome. I first saw the the poster because I normally you know like when I go see movies sometimes I'll I'll post that I'm watching them when I'm in the theater or whatever on Facebook or something so I usually try to find some some movie poster or something like that and that was the, the when I when I downloaded that poster to post like you know two minutes before I walked into the theater like that was the first time I saw gamma one and gamma two and and you know it's like it, it kind of reminds me of like my reaction to like everything whether it's like star trek the next generation or the thunderbolts or whoever i was like who the fuck are these guys you know <laughs> that that's my initial reaction but you know like what watching this like that was another thing that i had a lot of fun with because they 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 turned that whole idea on its head like that's that's an important aspect of this it's like what does the title have to do with the story you know and it's like that aspect of the superhero and the aspect that you know uh, dr hedo is is creating these 
these androids, you know, that are supposed to be superior to, you know, 17 and 18 or whatever. And you've got Gamma 1 and Gamma 2, but he, he almost raises them and, and imbues them with some sense of moral credulity as like that, that, you know, I, I, to me, it's like he's operating from the assumption that kind of ridiculously to the point where it becomes a running joke throughout the film that that Bulma and Goku and all these people are this evil cartel of alien invaders that are, you know, going to take over the world or whatever. So it's like it's like the, he thinks he's the good guy and, and he's he's basically transpose that onto gamma one and gamma two who even though they are the antagonists to begin with and say the first what uh two-thirds of the film like they think they're the heroes in 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 you know of their own story so so that to me was a lot of fun and and sort of you know i guess for characters that i you know my initial reaction was who the fuck are these guys like they they kind of they certainly ingratiated themselves with me fairly quickly because of those misunderstandings. And because it's like you, you talk about callbacks to things that are familiar. And I I'd say just in general, you know, something that's very familiar, whether it's dragon ball or dragon ball Z is that aspect of, you know, Yamcha's the desert bandit. And then he becomes their friend. Tenshin Han is, you know, uh, an opponent for Goku and becomes their friend. King Piccolo is the most evil guy around and becomes their friend. You know, Vegeta is the nasty Super Saiyan or whatever and becomes their friend. You know, Broly is fucking gonna, you know, got his toe stubbed in the fucking bathtub and he's gonna become their fucking friend. And 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 that whole thing of they they turn their enemies into their friends is 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 you know again you know repeats itself. It's like poetry; it rhymes. Um, it repeats itself in, in this film, and and I, I did enjoy that too. So I just I, I didn't want to leave those guys out because I, I I thought a lot of that stuff was uh, unique, fun, and you know uh, elicited reasonable uh, uh, laughter and humor, not not stupid fucking humor from from the audience, you know. <laughs> Like, I, I really liked the Gammas, and, like, I thought, you know, I, I, I love the bit where, like, Gamma 2 was, you know, doing all his superhero moves on Piccolo, and Piccolo's like, you know, why can I see his, like, sound effects or whatever? And then, like, you know, the, back at the base, they show him, like, posing in the background, and it turns out all those, like, sound effects are actually, like, holographic projections and stuff, and he's actually, like, projecting them when he hits people. So, like, that's, like, you know, that's a cool little, like, character touch, and it's funny as hell, too. So, but yeah, like uh, both of the Gammas were cool, like characters and, you know, Gamma one is still around. So like, I, you know, I hope he shows up again. I, I was just going to add to that. Um, the whole, like, you know, the, the red ribbons, like, I love how they're, they're like, they have so much in Intel on all these guys like Capsule Corp and they're using it to like manipulate like Dr. Hedo and like all their intel but they they're still like so wrong about like they're like oh like you know they have like Goku and Vegeta and Majin Buu 
and like we don't even know the power of Mr. Satan, like you know, like and they still like that's they have all this like on the spot intel except about Mr. Satan, like they still think he's like the strongest guy on earth or whatever. You, you, you know why? Because of that recreation. One of my favorite things from Dragon Ball Z that always <laughs> makes me laugh: their recreation of the Cell games, where they were everyone in the Cell games is like wearing those giant like mask of like trunks and you know goku and it's like mr satan's hero like uh that's one of those things that just thinking about it makes me laugh like that's why because <laughs> of that recreation in the cell games <laughs> can you guys talk about dr hedo's family tree because i feel like you guys had more insight into that sequence than i did dr hedo is dr Jero's grandson and he is the son of a other son that Dr. Juro had that we never see because his picture's blacked out. But, uh, like, well, Dr. Juro and um, I think her name is Vomi on the screen, but, like, she is Android 21 in the Dragon Ball Fighters video game. But, like, they had two kids, apparently, and one was the basis for Android 16, you know, Mohawk, red-haired Mohawk guy. Um, he, like, I, I guess, according to backstory, he died... Possibly like at Goku's hands when Goku like dismantled the Red Ribbon Army and then Dr. Jiro built like an android based on him, which, be you know, was Android 16. And then like he had another son, which we never meet because, like I said, on that screen, like the family tree screen, his face is all blacked out. And that's Dr. Hedo's uh, father. And like, yeah, so and they, they say they like disassociated themselves from Dr. Jiro and like raised him separately. But he like, you know, had a talent for robotics anyway. So like that's kind of, I guess, what that whole situation is. Do we know a lot about uh, Dr. Hedo's mom at all? Or is that also? Like, no, sort I of... guess not. OK. Like, I think, like, looking at, I, I looked at that family tree scene, and, like, Dr. Hedo's parents are both blacked out, and, like, they have, like, halos above their heads, so I guess mm. they're both dead, so. Okay, okay. I, I still think it's really weird when you think about it. The inspiration or whatever for Android 21, you know, she's, like, this beautiful chick, and she got with Dr. Jiro. I, I hope he was, like, you know super handsome and aged horribly because he was a scientist or something. Cause that's just like yeah, weird. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Maybe he was like, you know, he was a, a stud back in the day or whatever, but yeah, I mean, she's like, you know, Android 21 is like super hot, but like, yeah, but yeah, that, that, that was, he was an interesting character. Like Dr. Hedo, like he was, you yeah. know, I liked his whole deal. Like, you know, he was a t entertaining antagonist and like, he sort of had like, and you know, again, like you said, he had the typical dragon ball trope of, you know, he becomes their friend, like at the end, yeah. basically. Yeah. So I, I also loved like when they were, you know, they were laying out all their uh, Intel on the capsule corporation and everything. And they're like, Oh, here are like the underbosses, like Goku, Vegeta, <laughs> and the picture of Vegeta has the freaking pink Batman shirt. Yeah. shirt on. Like, <laughs> that <was> great. <laughs> uh, I also think it's kind of funny that like they just have like footage of Trunks killing Cyborg Freeze and they can just oh, pull it yeah, up on yeah. a cell phone. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Oh, it's yeah. kind of that's so weird, but kind of neat at the same time. They're like, Watch this, cool, like he killed Freezer. 
it, it was cool to see that scene played out in real time. Like, you know, it's all like yeah. in the actual episode, it was all slow motion to be all cool. But it's like, nope, like zip, like in one second. But I would like people were I, I read some like criticism where people were like, well, who's, who could have recorded that? Like, you know, what was there like a hiker or something watching that happen? But I was like, well, it must have been like friggin red ribbon, like little bug androids, you know, that they collected all the cell yeah. samples yeah, with that, like took that footage. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I thought you were going to say, how could the camera pick up? the speed of super science or whatever <laughs> but but I, I i guess they were just asking what uh, random ass hiker was was doing that on their cell phone but i mean if you're saying dr hedo had all those you know bugs that did stuff for him it's it's only natural to assume that they that the red ribbon army had something like that too what did you guys think of like well first of all like i, I was gonna say cell max like First of all, like, I think we, everyone had been speculating since the movie, like, you know, first, like, was announced that, like, when they learned it was about androids, like, well, there might be cells going to come back or something. And, like, yeah, at the end, it's not exactly what everyone expected, but I, I don't think you had room in this movie to do a full revival of, like, the actual cell. So, like, I mean, this is like a sort of Godzilla, like, kaiju cell. And, like, I, I feel like they took inspiration from like Harutagarn and like bio broly almost like mm. where it's like a like a monstrous but they did like they did bio broly right almost <laughs> like it's like a monstrous version of a like a, a a mindless monstrous version of a previous villain like and you know and Harutagarn is like kaiju size too so like you know and like he made for a pretty good like final boss or whatever like maybe people were disappointed that he wasn't like you know elegant like you know perfect cell or whatever but i thought you know if for for a climactic battle i think it was pretty effective i think i think it worked for me in the aspect that kind of like you say it's a a kaiju sized villain. So I, I thought of him as being very widescreen. And I, I think to me, it helped with the, the uniqueness of the theatrical experience because he just bellowed and screamed and, and, and made these loud, you know, scary kaiju noises. And, and, and it, it was something where, I mean, yeah, I know we all have our home theater speaker systems and whatever and can probably replicate you know 5.1 or 7.1 channels and all this other stuff but there there was something about being in that theater and and hearing the you know the the kaiju cell scream out throughout the theater and and you you realize like oh shit this is you know this is big you know this is like a big deal like it's not just clone of cell you know to me it was like this is you know so, something that's like you know to, to me it makes me think of things where you know superheroes have to fight you know larger scale you know mordru and anti-monitor and you know uh terminus and galactus and all you know like those kind of things where it's like it's just this the the the, the scope of of the the villain is huge but then also just the the sound design of it as well just it made you feel like it was legit where you did feel like you were watching you know something godzilla sized or or godzilla i'm I'm trying to think of the right way to say this but but you know a, a godzilla 
in stereo or, 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 you know, surround sound Godzilla, you know what I mean? Like that, that notion of you were immersed in that scope because of various factors, not only just the, the scale of it, but, but because you were surrounded by his, his roars, you know, like, and it just felt like it was something like that was like a legit threat, you know, and, 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 and it was fun to watch. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Mike, like, was there room in this movie for a fully restored, even more powerful Cell? Like, no. Cell was always such a smart and calculating character. Like, and to see him as this huge, hulking, uncontrollable beast that's just yelling and screaming, I thought was a really nice contrast to that. Because, like, I mean, if you did bring him back at full power and then he got a super boost or, you know, whatever the crap's going on, it's like, Okay, well, what do you do with that? It just becomes another, like, what you're going to recreate then a Cell Saga with another beam struggle? Like, like that wouldn't be interesting. But to see, like, this huge out-of-control monster and to see, like, Piccolo become a giant and fight it and, you know, Gohan has to do another form and then he has to, like, charge it up and, you know, use his super uh, super beam cannon. And, you know, they have to, like, hit his weak point. It's like a video game. we got to hit his weak point, but... The only thing that can crack his head is uh, Gotenks' butt or something, you know. Like, I, I, I was, I was perfectly happy with that. I think, like Akira Toriyama's even said in interviews, like he feels bad for uh, what's his name, um, uh, Norio Wakamoto, which is Cell's voice actor, because like they just brought him back to do a bunch of screams and yells <laughs> and stuff, like. You know, same same thing with uh, his English voice actor, uh, Damian Clark. Like they they brought him back, and all he did was like roar and scream and stuff. That chick will cash the same as the other ones, man. Uh huh. Exactly. <laughs> yep. It might be a little harder on your voice, but yeah. But yeah, Derek, you're right though. Like, I mean, when when Cell first, like, you know, Cell Max first comes out of that chamber and roars, like the whole theater like shook. Like, I feel like they really like amped up his screams for like a theater experience. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, I think, like, you know, his design, like, like it's kind of like a mix of all three Cell designs, kind of like he's got the face of the second one and the wings of Perfect Cell, and then the tail of like the Bug Cell. But I think like Akira Toriyama's favorite form of cell is the second one with the froggy face. So like, I think that's probably mostly his influence. So, but yeah, like, I, I mean, <laughs> I remember Justin, I forget if I ever talked to you about this, but like early on when people were like, oh, cell's going to come back or whatever. Like, I remember some people were like, oh, maybe they'll make canon. Um, uh, what's his name? A Hatchiac or whatever, you know, from that like special, like the. Oh. Yeah, like, and I'm like, get real. They're not going <laughs> like, to do Hatchiac or whatever. They're going to do Cell. Like, they're not going to waste their friggin' movie on a, you know, a, a one-off villain from a stupid video game OVA or whatever. But I, I saw a lot of people speculating that it was going to be like a white or silver version of Cell and he would be called Super Cell. And I was like, I, I don't know about that. So we haven't, I was going to say, switching tacks a little, like we haven't talked about uh, the other co-lead in this movie, uh, Gohan. I mean, I know, Derek, like Gohan's your favorite Dragon Ball character. And I'm almost like, I guess I'm kind of, uh, what's the best way to put this? Like, like I'm almost like envious of you because you didn't watch Super. Like, basically, because Gohan's like character development keeps going in this same loop. 
where it's like ever since the end of this the Boo saga, it's like like oh Gohan, or even right at the beginning of the Boo saga, it's like oh Gohan neglected his training. He needs like some kind of power up to get back to normal. And yeah, he's back to normal. And okay, now it's back to like, and he goes through that loop again, like two more times in Super, yeah. where it's like you know oh Frieza owned him, so he has to go train again. And then, like, you know, then again, like, it's like, oh, what did you forget about that, Gohan? Because then he has to train again before that tournament of power. And then it's like, what what's going on, dude? Like, you keep, you know, going in the same, like, characterization loop. So I feel like, Derek, you you only got the loop once, basically, by mm. not watching mm. Super. Like, you okay. know, okay. yeah, because, like, it, this movie opens up with Gohan again. Like, Piccolo's annoyed with him because he's neglected his training. And like, you know, and they this movie, like, I mean, the climax of the movie, like you said, where Gohan gets his new like form and stuff. It's a direct like nostalgia pull at what most people consider to be like Gohan's peak, basically. Like, I mean, he gets his new form looks just like, you know, his Super Saiyan 2 hair, basically, is like and, uh, you know, he fights us cell. I mean, that everyone mostly considers that Gohan's peak as a character. So, I mean, that's like a. I, I was almost joking with my friend after we watched it in the theater. I was like, you know, it's like it was kind of like, you know, remember when Gohan was cool? Like, I mean, I mean, he's been cool since then. But, you know, like when he was like the coolest he's ever been. Like, so I don't know. What do you guys think of like Gohan's like, you know, evolution, both like, you know, physically and as a character in this movie? I, I don't know that I, I gave it much thought. I mean, I mean, I. I I, I I guess when it comes to super, maybe I missed some of that. But I mean, it, it does seem like I mean, if you if you look at the Boo Saga and you look at GT and things like that, I mean, there certainly is that you know the the the, the walking back of of the promise of what Gohan was supposed to uh, achieve or amount to, right? So, so it, it, I mean, again, it, I mean, I, I guess if you want to get super nitpicky about it, like, yeah, they're, they're doing that same thing again in this movie. But I think, I, I mean, I, I feel like at least there, there's some believability to it. Like it feels like, you know, okay, yeah, they were in a time of peace and he wasn't, it wasn't totally out of shape. You know, it's like that thing of, okay, he blocks Piccolo's one move, but then he doesn't block the other punch. So it's like, it's like to Piccolo's point, it's, it's true, but then kind of like, it's not a hundred percent, you know what I mean? Like true. So the, and, and there's, there's those funny things about where they start asking him like, wait, wait, like, I think it's Piccolo's like, wait, does your, does your eyesight get fixed when you go super saiyan? Like, why do you need these glasses? Like, why are you, you know, why are you uh, letting the sensu bean bounce all over the place? Like th those kind of things. But it's like, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, to me, I, I didn't want to nitpick the hell out of things like that. Like, I just felt like that was, uh, in, in some way, I, I feel like wh whether or not you comprehend this or even have seen this, like, I, I feel like there is some aspect where it returns to the, the humorous and whimsical nature of the original Dragon Ball, like like that it's not so deathly serious all the time, you know, like and so I feel like some of that is grafted onto this, just like I feel like some of that was grafted onto GT in its own way. But but it just seems like this is, you know, I mean, when 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 shit hits the fan, like, yeah, he's got to, I guess, go into his 
what, what do they call it? Like his his ghost mode or his I don't know. What the new the new form or yeah yeah it, it, I guess the official the the official name for it is beast beast uh, yeah okay so. I mean you know I I don't know it's like it's like I I, I mean the the cynical side of me is like okay so they can release the same Piccolo figure art but orange and they can release the same Gohan figure art but with a, a different head and and you know silver hair or something like that but when you're just watching it it's like it's all part of the 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 kind of dragon ball trope you get into the fight you understand what he's doing he's powering up and and i i think i think for me what what is appealing about this is you know and and we haven't talked about this too much but the the fact that they were trying to get in contact with goku and vegeta and they thought oh for sure you know, the first thing Piccolo thinks is I gotta I gotta get Goku and Vegeta in on this because they're the only people that are gonna be able to stop these guys. I gotta get them in on this. And then and then it turns into something where it's like, well shit, I can't get a hold of them, or we wasted the Dragon Ball wishes, or you know, whatever the excuse is, and, and they, they don't get a hold of them the entire movie. And and so they, you know, Piccolo gets his his dende power up and he he gets his orange power up and you know they bring gohan out of his funk using pan as kind of the motivation which all seems to track right like if anything's going to get him out of his uh you know scholarly you know study bug mode it's going to be to to save his daughter and stuff like that and 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 the fact that they push on that you know kind of uh, uh, shifts Gamma 1 and Gamma 2's, you know, trajectory, you know, in terms of what they believe and, and how they've been lied to and all this other stuff. So, I mean, all that stuff kind of works for me. And by the end of it, it's like, yeah, you, you can you can easily sort of point to, oh, it's the trope. They've got to hang back and let Piccolo get the crap kicked out of them, you know, so that, that Gohan can charge up. But even that... I mean, it, it feels like that's even a nod to Piccolo because it's not like he's doing a Kamehameha. He he does this special beam cannon at the end. You know what I mean? Like this super move, you know, w- that he's charging up. So it's like, I, I don't know, like, like all, I, I guess maybe I wasn't getting to what my point was, but it, it reminds me of when, you know, things like IDW's More Than Meets the Eye started. And they're like, OK, we're doing we're doing series that have nothing to do with Optimus and Megatron. You know what I mean? Like, here's going to be robots in disguise and more than meets the eye. And we're going to follow these characters. And they're going to be all these characters you really have come to know and love and like. But we're, we're, we're putting Optimus and Megatron on the back burner for a little while. And I feel like in this movie, that's that's what it was. Like, I was happy to see Goku and Vegeta when I did. But they were used sparingly. And and, and the, the, the whole joke held true. And they didn't. You know, most of the time in most arcs, eventually it's not a joke. Like they're waiting for Goku the whole time and then he shows up at the end. You know what I mean? Whereas in this, they're waiting for Goku the whole time. He never shows up and they fucking handled it. And and that's I mean, I guess that's the greatest compliment you can pay Piccolo and Gohan, right? Like they handled it. They didn't need fucking Goku and and Vegeta, right? Like so, I mean, in in that sense, I mean, the, you know, as a you know Gohan fan, right? Like that that works for me. 
Like, I'm happy with that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's, I, I can't say anything. You know, it, wh- whether he goes through the repetitive Gohan's a fucking kidnapped by aliens and becomes a fucking, you know, weak ass again and has to go through a training arc again. Like, I can't, you know, I can't speak to that other than, okay, that's the trope. That's what they know how to do with them. That's what they did in this movie. That's apparently what they did with them in a bunch of other arcs. So it's like, if they can't get past that, well, you know what? That's not Gohan's fault. That's these fucking writers' fault that can't think of anything fucking new to do with them. You know what I mean? So, I, I don't know. Like, that's, uh, that, that, that would be my only thing about that. Wow. I wonder what's next for me. You peaked. What? You peaked. You're kidding! After all that? Yeah, sorry. But, but, but I get stronger though, right? Yeah, but... no. Oh. I mean, I'm a big Gohan fan too, Just so to see him get treated like this makes me happy. I love the Majin Buu saga. The only thing I don't like about it is after spending so much time with Gohan and building him up, especially with like the mystic charge and everything, it's like he gets kicked aside in favor of Goku. That always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And then from Super and these newer movies, like it just kind of like Mike said, it's like he's kind of like a yo-yo. It's like he's like, oh, I didn't train. I better train now. Oh, I didn't train again. I better train again. And he's kind of treated like a chump, uh, you know, like Battle of the Gods. Like he has very little to do in that movie other than like go Super Saiyan and get cast aside by Beerus. Like that's kind of it. And he doesn't have a whole lot more to do in, you know, Resurrection F either. So that always kind of bugged me because Gohan was always one of my favorite characters. And I, you know, I always liked the, the little kid who was like sheltered, who was forced to grow up early in the wild on his own with like a harsh master like piccolo for his you know for his harsh master i always liked that and the fact that he was able to like you know tap into his rage and defeat cell like i mean that's great and then i mean i like seeing gohan happy with a wife and a kid but you also i guess it's the thing of like you want your you know you want to have your cake and look at it but you also like you want to eat the cake so you know it's like oh i don't know which one to do but to see him get this treatment here, like, even though he's only in, like, the last, like, what, 20 minutes as the main character, like, it's great. Even though it's just, like, you know, an homage to the end of Cell Saga, like, I still thought it was great. And I, I like his new form, even if it's just, like, a repaint. It's like a video game reskin. I'm like, it's it's fine. I like it. He got a moment, and it's great. Yeah. I mean, the insinuation you take away from that is that because he has a wife and kid like somehow that that makes him weak or yeah. that somehow you know that that makes him soft you know and it's like i i don't you know i mean i i don't know that i necessarily subscribe to that and and also like i think there's evidence in this at least like i don't know i can't speak to the other stuff but i mean at least in this film there's evidence that that makes him stronger you know what i mean like the the love he has for pan right like that 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 you know, helps him, you know, achieve, you know, greatness in the climax of this film. You know, that's that's part of, you know, what helped him strive to achieve that. So, I, you know, at least in this context, I, I think it's it's good. Well, just just for nerd shit, like nitpicking about Gohan, like for me, like I'm, I'm still annoyed. And it, it happened in Super 2 that like. His ultimate, like, mystic form is treated as some kind of transformation now. 
Like, that was never the point of it. The point of it, like, the original text, like, when old Kai powers him up, he says, oh, you don't need to transform anymore. Like, that Super Saiyan stuff is just a light show. Like, you can access your full power just by, like, you know, powering up. And that's the whole point of the mystic transformation. It gives Gohan his full power all the time. And, like, ever since, like, Super and whatever, it's been, like, some kind of video game, like, power-up that he has to achieve again. Like, when it was supposed to be, like, some, like, always-on thing that he had forever now. But, I mean, like, and, and, I mean, it's a cool scene in this movie. Like, when, you know, Pan, Piccolo, like, you know, does the whole, like, you know, tells Pan, like, hey, scream like you're hurt. And, like, when Gohan hears that, he, like, instantly goes to, like, ultimate, like, mystic form. Like, yeah. his... You know, and which which was a cool scene, but I don't know. It just annoys me that he like he 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 should have it all the time, really. Like I guess, but well, and that that was always the nerd thing about you know mystic form. You, I mean, you know, this, this might be all internet hearsay, and you know, uh, Leonard Nimoy voiced Unicron, and this and that and the other thing, like stuff that's not really true, but. I mean, I always remember the thing of, well, if Mystic Gohan went Super Saiyan, he'd, like, blow up the universe. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that was always the internet <laughs> yeah. hearsay thing was, like, was like he, he he can't go Super Saiyan. Do you know what I mean? Like, like that's how powerful Mystic Gohan was supposed to be, right? Like, and so, to me, like, like you, you saying it annoys you to see him go into Mystic mode. Like, to me, it always, like, annoyed me in, in GT or post, what you know, post whatever it is, whether it's Super or whatever. It's like, oh, he he went super saiyan well th- you know th- basically that puts a lie to that that sort of uh you know i don't know uh internet rumor or or whatever you want to call it you know that that insinuation that the mystic gohan form is so powerful and if it is on all the time then then he shouldn't even dare go super you know what i mean like unless unless it's going to be something where he's like out in the middle of space and you know, if there's a bunch of broccoli people you don't care about or something, you know what I mean? Like, unless it's something like that, then then that that shouldn't even be a thing. And, and you know, th- you know, there, there shouldn't be I mean, you know, I know it destroys their stories and everything, but there shouldn't be a Super Broly or a, a Beerus or a Gold Freezer or what, you know, I mean, in other words, th- you know, th- there shouldn't be something that's more powerful than that. But then. There always, always is, you know, in, in, in the context of this franchise. <laughs> Even though, like, you know, I love Gohan and I think he had a good role in this movie. Like most of my criticisms of this movie focus like around him, because my, my other thing is like in a movie called Dragon Ball Superhero, there's no mention at all of Great Saiyan Man. Like, you would think that would be, like, something, like, they'd go, like, oh, that would fit really well. Like, some mm. kind of reference to Great Saiyan Man or Gohan even dressing as Great Saiyan Man to fight the Gammas or something. But, no, they mm. don't. Like, that that seems like, it, like it's very conspicuous by its, like, absence, like, I guess. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's still dressed. He's still doing it. Like, in Super, he that they even have a couple of, like, quote-unquote, like, filler episodes where they make a Great Saiyan Man movie and, like, go. Gohan, like it, Gohan get, gets cast as like the stunt double of Great Saiyan Man in it. So like he's, you know, he's trying to like play, like be himself, but he's also like not really the star of the movie. But, but yeah, like I, I just thought that was odd that they don't even like reference Great Saiyan Man in a movie that is like ostensibly about superheroes. 
maybe the great Sandman movie bombed and now Gohan is just embarrassed and he won't ever put on that <laughs> costume again. <laughs> no, I think I think he'll put the, that costume on again because you remember that episode like at the end it's like Vito like Videl like whispers in his ear he's like oh like like putting seeing you in that costume again like really like takes me back like you know it's giving me like all these warm nostalgic <laughs> memories and Gohan gets that like you know look like oh like, is it time for sexy time tonight? Like, you know, like, uh, oh, and then my, my other point of criticism, which also centers, unfortunately, around Gohan is like the only CGI I didn't think worked too well in this movie was Gohan's hair, like especially in Super mm. Saiyan and Beast mode. Like it just looked a little too stiff, I guess, and like a little too like, you know, on like a kind of like uncanny valley breaking when he like was moving his head around at the end, like talking to Piccolo in his beast mode. Like it looked like a giant, like, I don't know, like ice cream, like cone <laughs> on the top of his head or something. But yeah. I mean, I think that goes back to that, that first 60 seconds where I was looking at, um, the, the the red ribbon guys and kind of going yeah these guys aren't really made for for being viewed in three dimensions and i i kind of feel like that applies to kind of the the crazy super super saiyan 2 hairstyle or whatever it's not it's not quite designed to be seen in three dimensions so 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 there is that something where you're like it it takes it, 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 whether you ever get used to it or not, it, it takes some time to get used to it. I also wish at the end, like after he did, like, you know, he did the special beam cannon, Makanko Sapo or whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, and, and like there's that little moment between him and Piccolo at the end where Piccolo's like, what the hell did you do like there? And like Gohan's like, oh, it was a, it was a special beam cannon. And Piccolo's like, you know, where'd you learn that? And like, you know, in the in the dub and the Japanese thing he says oh i've been like trying to practice it in secret and like you know like and that's fine and all but i kind of wish gohan had said like i learned it from watching you dad (laughs) (laughs) all right i learned it by watching i learned it from you dad i don't know i thought that would i think if they they played that like a little more touchingly it might have been fun like you know like a a touching moment where he's like well i learned it by watching you mr Mm. piccolo like you know, yeah. Piccolo's got that, you know, look pretty good, like a kid, like, you know, that's yeah. the highest praise Piccolo will give, basically. Right, right. I, I wanted to mention uh, briefly uh, the soundtrack for this movie, because, I mean, I think, you know, Broly obviously has an incredible soundtrack, like, and very memorable for things. But this movie, like, it kind of used the same, like, theme, like, a lot of, like, for most of it, like, it had that kind of superhero theme, like, and, like, in different, like, you know, different tones and different speeds and stuff. And I think that kind of worked for it. Like, I think, you know, I was kind of, you know, whenever they had fight scenes with that playing, I think it really worked. And I don't think, um, since, you know, a, a theme like, you know, the, the the score for Broly would work for this movie, basically. Like, I mean, it wasn't like... You know, when Cell Max came out, it wasn't like, you know, go, Cell Max, go, Cell Max, go. <laughs> like, you know, it's like that, that didn't exactly work. But like, yeah, I, I really liked the score for this movie. I kind of didn't. I mean, I agree with you. The score for Brilli is great. After I watched Brilli, I listened to the score for weeks and weeks after that. But like none of the music in this movie really stood out to me. And I, you know, tracked it down on YouTube and listened to some of it. 
and nothing like really caught my ear. So I, I don't I don't know. Maybe I just need to sit down and listen to it again. But I, it it just didn't it just didn't catch my ear like the Broly score did. I mean, I I can't say I overly noticed it, but I it didn't didn't stand out like a sore thumb either. So that that to me is usually a sign of a good. I mean, it's something that that works for the film or whatever, you know, like I, 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 I don't know, like like may, maybe that has something to do with the type of film it is, too, because like like we're, we've been saying, there's this sort of effort to, you know, th- this this completely CGI version of the film. And I, I feel like there were certain things that they could do in this, like in terms of camera angles and expansive shots like that that i i I don't think you could pull off something like the view of the the red ribbon headquarters and the the layers of the red ribbon headquarters without some of that cgi and i guess trying to tie it back into what you're talking about with the soundtrack like maybe that refines the 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 way musical beats are played because it's it's not your standard action cut action cut like sometimes there are these almost you know i don't know i, I don't want to go overboard here but there, there are these kind of hitchcockian you know like that it's panning out of you know the fucking the, the the army red ribbon base and then out of the volcano and then out of the you know what i mean and it just keeps it keeps going back and back and back and 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 you're kind of sitting there going, oh, OK, this is fairly unique that, that you wouldn't be able to pull off with traditional animation. And I think sometimes maybe the the, the soundtrack might have been trying things that were unique, you know, just to 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 service those moments. But I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I just liked the whole like you know, like sort of overture or whatever they kept going back to. Like you know, it was a, it was very like superhero esque, I guess. Like so, I thought it worked pretty well. But uh, oh, speaking, of, I forgot to mention like when we were talking about Doctor Giro and his wife or whatever. But speaking of like unlikely pairings, like like Magenta's dad is Commander Red. And I guess, like, I didn't notice this, but I looked it up today because someone mentioned it. And if you look on Magenta's desk, there's a picture of your, uh, I forgot what her rank was, but Violet, like, from Dragon Ball. Like, she was, like, the thief, kind of, with the purple hair who worked for the Red Ribbon Army. Like, there's a framed picture of her on Magenta's desk. So it's like, did she get with, like, Commander Red? Like, you know, short little Commander Red with the eye patch? Like man, like like talk again, like Doctor Jero and Android Twenty One, like, talk about like punching way above your weight class, like you know. Isn't that? Like, I so, mean, I mean, I I don't mean to to. I mean, I I get what you guys are saying, but I mean, isn't that almost as much a trope as as making friends with your enemies? Like, I mean, is not I, I mean, is not the epitome of that Krillin and and eighteen. I mean, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and I mean, and I think in some ways, you, you know, you, you could maybe sort of apply it to Bulma with with Yamcha and and Vegeta, you know, to to a degree, but not to the same degree. Right. But but, you know, just this idea of like, oh, OK, you've got these 
these little short dudes that, you know, hook up with these uh, cute chicks or whatever, you know. And, and I guess speaking of that, speaking of unlikely pairs, I mean, the the, the one thing in, in all of this that I did feel like I related to a little bit was um, I never thought I'd relate to Lord Beerus as much, but I, I, I like that whole bit, you know, where uh, what's-her-face, uh, you know, uh, Broly's oh, yeah, Chile, 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 Chile is is trying to steal all this shit, and then and then at first she's like deathly afraid, but then it's like uh, uh, Weiss immediately is like, oh well, Lord Beerus kind of thinks you're cute, you know, or whatever, and it's just like it's like totally like you know, yeah, you 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 may stay, like I like you, or whatever. So I I thought that was kind of like a funny bit as well. I like how when Beerus first saw her, he did like that cat thing of like he like shivered from like foot to like ears, like he went like like and straightened out, like like that 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 was, he was really well animated. And well, speaking of Krillin, like I, I liked like see that's what that was like that was another cool bit, like you know like Bulma may dunk on Krillin or whatever, but like when Krillin and Krillin might do his whole like I'll stay back and protect you know Pan and Bulma and like you know whatever I'll, I want to stay out of this fight, like but I mean when the shit hits the fan, like Krillin runs in there, he does his you know destructo disc, he does the solar flare and blind cell max, like he's still mm-hmm. you know when the shit hits the fan, Krillin's there, like even if people like dunk on him or whatever so and i loved um in the in the like dub like they kind of jazzed up a lot of lines like from like the japanese version like in the dub to make him a little more like crowd pleasing or whatever like and like like in the, in the japanese version when bulma arrives with all of them she's like oh like i brought some help like except for maybe krillin and like krillin's like hey like that's a low blow but like in the, the English dub version of that line is like she's like I brought Earth's mightiest heroes and Krillin like you know like and yeah. like everyone the whole audience like erupted in laughter at that. <laughs> Justin maybe maybe she should have been like she's like I brought everyone and Krillin's in the house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or maybe Krillin just pops out and says that himself. Yeah. Frillin's a doubt. He should have said that when he jumped into Cell's face. Yeah. <laughs> Krillin's a doubt. Every time he uprises. But yeah, like, I mean, that was cool. And I mean, he's the one who reminds Piccolo, like, hey, dude, like, you can grow big too. Like, Piccolo's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Here's like, Piccolo's like, I never watched Dragon Ball. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> I'm not that guy. Yeah, like I, like I, you know, the the English dub of Dragon Ball, like Funimation's dub, has come a really long way, and like I'm, I'm, what do you call? It? I think they did a really good job with this dub, and they're, I mean, no more stupid, like you know, references that make no sense, or like you know, even like you know, uh, voice, like incidental voices are all like super serious now. There's none of those guys like you were making fun of, Derek. Like in the Bardock saga, where it's like, we're in Red Ribbon Army, like, like, you know, those those Red Ribbon Commandos all had, like, serious, like, distinct voices and stuff. Like, they weren't all, like, jokers or whatever. I, I love the bit where they try that guy tries to hold Gohan at gunpoint and Gohan just flicks the gun out of his hand. Like, that's so good. Unfortunately, I think this means no more like space Australian voices. So, again, yeah, right? There's no Shrek Red Ribbon Army guys like 
Oh, <laughs> Commander Magenta. Yeah. Oh, the gamma agents have returned, sir. <laughs> you don't. You don't think uh, there's going to be a uh, giant super movie that's all nostalgic for the Guinea Forest or something? Yes, they. Uh huh. They all come from different yeah parts of space. Space, space Australia. Space Australia. Space Germany. Space Britain. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, speaking of the dub, like, I mean, certain voices might be known to everyone, but uh, man, like a Charles Martinet voices Magenta. And if you don't know what that who that is, that's the voice of the official U.S. voice of Mario. Like he's voiced Mario for like 30, 40 years. Like okay. and this is apparently it's, it's almost like stunt casting or something, because this is apparently only his like second anime dub like role ever like i think he he voiced something in like the 1990s and then he did like they got him for this and i guess like i maybe they're like typecasting him because magenta's a short guy in a red outfit with a mustache mm. <laughs> but but yeah like the, uh, the official voice of you know voices magenta in the english dub of this yeah so and then um who else uh who else did i write down oh um you know Magenta's like number two guy, uh, Carmine, like the, yes. the, the dude with the hair. Like he's voiced by uh, uh, Jason Marnocha, who we know as like the only good part of like those awful Netflix Transformers shows, like the voice oh. of Megatron. So okay. oh, like, okay. it's good to see he's yeah, it's good to see he's getting more high profile work. Like considering, like I said, he's probably like the only good part of those shows. So. I liked um, another like dub insertion of humor that really worked well when um, Gohan was explaining like when he's like, oh, look, here's the insects like I'm studying, like these ants that transform and turn glow. They're super science like (laughs) that wasn't in the Japanese version, obviously. So that was that got a huge (laughs) laugh from the audience. Oh, uh, I think I told you guys like last week when I was talking about this movie, but uh, like for in, in Japan, like I feel like the Red Ribbon Army is like a Gundam 00 reunion because it's like um, Dr. Hedo is voiced by a uh, Miyu Irino who voices Saji Crossroad in Gundam 00. Um, Gamma One is voiced by uh, Mamoru uh, Miyano who voices Setsuna Fseye in Gundam 00. And uh, Gamma 2 is voiced... Oh, no, wait, that was Gamma 2. Uh, Gamma 1 is voiced by Hiroshi uh, Kamiya, which, who voices uh, Tieria Arde in Gundam 00. So, so yeah, they're, they're super popular over there. And this is my plea to the gods. Uh, someone subtitle that live stage show, please. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Gundam 00 one. Yeah, we would, we would buy it, Sun, uh, well, whoever buys Sunrise, Bandai, whoever distributes it. Yeah, we would buy it. And I, I also wanted to say, like, you know, watching the Japanese version, man, like, we, you know, me and Derek, we, we criticize, like, you know, Shuichi Ikeda for, you know, sound, still sounding and so, starting to sound a little old as, like, Shar Aznable. But, man, like, I feel like, you know, uh, Masako Nozawa, like, Goku, Gohan, Goten, like, she's still got it. And, like, she's yeah, still, yeah. I mean, like, she, you would think, like, you know, she's 85 years old now. You would think she would, you know, sound somewhat different. But she still manages to, you know, make 
Goku, Gohan, and Goten all sound like different. Like not, you know, th- obviously it's still the same voice, but she, the way she like performs each one is really distinct. I mean, she, she even, you know, she does the voices of Bardock and Goku Black too, and they both sound pretty distinct as well. So, I mean, like, yeah, kudos to her. Like, I think, I think they said like, um, she can't quite do like the screams anymore, but they have like a like a huge stock of her screams or something that she did when she was like probably like twenty years younger or whatever, because she knew she wouldn't be able to maintain that for like you know forever. So like maybe sometimes they sub those in, but I think that's about all. I think I've been through all my notes now. I mean, I I really like this movie. I, I, I kind of it kind of makes me sad that like Toriyama didn't commit more to making Gohan the main character from like, you know, the Cell Saga on because yeah. I mean, if you think of if you think about it, like this movie could still have worked if Goku and Vegeta had remained dead because they're off somewhere else doing something like you could still have. Goku and Vegeta subplots, like often, like, you know, Otherworld or whatever, doing like getting stronger over there and, you know, palling around with dead people or whatever, while Gohan and Piccolo like handled shit on Earth or whatever. But, you know, obviously, you know, they have to sell shit. So they can't, they have to have Goku and Vegeta front and center most of the time. And I mean, when when Super inevitably inevitably comes back as an anime, I mean, the Moro, if they adapt Moro arc and Granola arc, I mean, Goku and Vegeta are, you know, front and center for those. So I guess I just would hope they'd make some some movie version of it so I don't have to sit through any of it. Yeah, like I kind of like I enjoyed watching Super, but watching these movies makes me kind of sad that they didn't just keep doing like dragon ball movies instead of doing a series like a little bit like I, I feel like you know super was stretched out along for a long bit and maybe i don't know like some of those stories could have been better if they were in a condensed form i really love the tournament of power but i think the rest of it i could kind of do without yeah uh-huh and like it almost like like the anime is almost like sort of extraneous to these movies because like you've got the, 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 you know, the obligatory like Vegeta mentions Jaren and he's like, oh, you know, remember Jaren? Like, did you watch Super? I know you did, like, except <laughs> for Derek. But, you know, except he like looks at the camera. He's like, except for you, Derek Crabb, like you didn't watch Super. But just so just so you know, there was like this, this dude named Jaren and he was like our our sort of. We have Superman or One Punch Man, and we couldn't beat him. But like, then we did beat him, and that was that. Like, you know. So, but I mean, you don't need you. I mean, Derek, you didn't really need to see the Super Anime to understand Broly or this movie, did you? Like, no, I mean, no. Yeah, so, I, I mean, mean I, from, I mean, like, like I've I've watched maybe one or two episodes with you guys, but I mean, I've I've barely I've barely touched the the Super anime because for the most part i think at the beginning i was kind of told oh they just you know they drag out the what is it like you know the the first couple you know battle of the gods and and frieza and all that other stuff they just it's an extended version of that and i was kind of like oh well i saw those and then i just kept watching the movies you know like and i i know you guys have said that there have been arcs that you know have nothing to do with the movies you know following those but I, I just never I never picked it up, you know. 
Justin said, there's some good stuff in there, but it, it is, I don't know, like, I feel like the movies are a better encapsulation, I guess, of Dragon Ball nowadays. Like they just, you know, they give you it's it's without all the fat, like all the fat is trimmed off, basically. So like when you watch the movie. So, oh, I, I was just going to say about I forgot to say about the after credit scene. Like, I think it's it's a great gag that possibly the longest and most intense fight between Goku and Vegeta ever happened all virtually off screen. And like, we only saw like, you know, the beginning of it and like the very end of it. Like, I think that's a great gag and a great, like addressing of people's criticism that like maybe Goku and Vegeta are too prominent, basically. Like, I think, you know, cause like in the, in the theater, when we watched it, everyone was kind of laughing and they were like, like one guy was like, Oh, we didn't even get to see their fight. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, uh, <laughs> You know, and like that's kind of a stab at those people who are like don't give a shit about anyone else other than like Goku and Vegeta. So, I think I'm I'm about to, I, I've gone through all my notes. Like I I really like this movie. Like I'm I'm gonna buy it on Blu-ray, which is a big you know a, a, a sign that you know I I really dug it dug it. And uh, yeah, like I, I wouldn't even if someone else calls me up and says they want to go see it, I wouldn't mind seeing it again in theaters. So. I'm going to slap that one guy that stood up in your theater, which is a sign that I really like the movie. <laughs> I don't know, Justin, any final thoughts? I liked it. Excellent. Well, Derek, why don't you do our usual thing then? If you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you want to stand up in the theater and get slapped, you can send your angry emails to fanhallspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of episodes of Big in Japan, you can go over to the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download there. Or if you want, we can be found on all kinds of streaming. We're over on Apple Podcasts. We can be found on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. And we're on all kinds of social medias. We're on the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Tumblers. And if you can't get a hold of us, it's because we're in uh, Beerus's planet eating ice cream, checking out hot Chile girls, and, and getting into epic sparring matches with one another. But we'll rest assured we will eventually get back to you. <laughs> Thank you. So this is Mike uh, signing off. This is Derek, Derek WC, signing off. And this is Justin, signing off. Don't you mean Orange Justin? Oh yeah, Orange Justin. Orange Justin.
See, I, I'm the dude who's, like, infiltrating, like, everything and, like, getting shit done. And I'm like, man, like, I got to get Derek back in the game. And meanwhile, Justin's just on his planet eating ice cream and watching us. <laughs> that sounds like me. You're, like, sneaking around disguised as the dudes. You're like, oh, I got a stomachache. Oh. You guys have to do my research on my Kazar term paper. <laughs> got really important stuff to do here. You look, come to the window. You're like, Mike, like, look at this Kazar comic. Like, it's, <laughs> it's gold. <laughs> he turns gold. 